Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. I'd like to thank our show sponsor, the University of Alaska. You can check them out at empower.alaska.edu. I'll put a link in the description as well for you to go check them out. But I really, really want to thank the University of Alaska for sponsoring the Must Read Alaska show. Well, welcome, everybody, to the Must Read Alaska show. I'm your host, John Quick, coming to you live from somewhere in Alaska. And the question of the hour is this. When will it stop snowing? Gee, Christmas. I was here <laughs> on the Kenai Peninsula, and holy smokes, it was snowing still two nights ago, and uh, we're just kind of sick of it here. We, we, we like our winters, but we don't like them to last into uh, May. So if there is a God out there listening, send us some sun, 55-degree weather with sun, and help, help us melt the snow. Um, but we have a special treat for folks today. We have Brad and Rob here today. Brad is the head of HEA and Rob is the head of um, Seward Electric, I believe it's called. And we're here, we're gonna get to know them, get to know what their jobs are, their roles are. There's a potential sale coming up uh, here, I think next month that's on the ballot. And we'll get to kind of hear some of the ins and outs on that. But without further ado, Rob and Brad, welcome to the Must Read Alaska show. Uh, thank you, John, glad to be here. Thanks, John, appreciate it. And uh, Brad Janorski, for those of you that can't see us, and uh, I'm general manager at Homer Electric, and I appreciate the intro, John. And and I'm going to do what I'm told I shouldn't do: is disagree with the host right off the bat and say, I hope winter lasts till the middle of summer. <laughs> so, but I think I'm probably the only person on the Kenai Peninsula with that uh, with that help, with the exception of maybe Rob would agree with me yeah, on that. Absolutely. Well, Brad, I, I appreciate you coming on the show. Brad heads HEA Homer Electric Association, where folks. Um, that maybe don't live on the Kenai Peninsula. Brad, um, you know, I've gotten to know over the last couple of years um, when I was chief of staff for the Kenai Peninsula Borough. Brad is a guy that goes above and beyond, in my opinion, and really cares about the community. He's at every event. He's answering all the questions. His team does a really good job on literally all hands on deck when there's power outages. My neighbor is one of his linemen or foremen. And I can't say enough good things about HEA, but Brad, tell us a brief history for folks who maybe aren't from the Kenai Peninsula, or maybe they just think their electricity shows up and has no idea how it shows up. Tell us a brief history on HEA and kind of what your role is with HEA. Sure. Thanks, John. Great question. Um, HEA has been around for about 73 years now. So uh, we're pretty excited for our 75th anniversary coming up in a couple more years. Um, we serve the, the Western Kenai Peninsula from Nikiski, Sterling through Kenai, Soldotna, down to Homer, and then across South Kachemak Bay to Soldovia, Port Graham, and Wallach. And uh, probably one of the few utilities that serve uh, areas that we need boats, airplanes, or helicopters to get to. And unfortunately, a lot of the areas public lands that we have, uh, distribution lines that run through that uh, when we have outages over there due to, as you're aware, John, the spruce 
bark beetle has had a large impact on the Western Kenai Peninsula. And uh, when, when that happens, typically due to wind, uh, it's conducive to poor weather and limits our ability to respond the way we would like to. But in general, uh, HEA has been around for a long time. Uh, one of the unique things about HEA compared to most cooperatives in the United States is we are what we call a GT and D, generation, transmission, and distribution. So we manage everything from fuel supply through generating electricity, transmitting it, and then distributing it, which most folks are tied to the distribution side, which goes all the way to their electric meter. So um, Brad, tell us, tell me a little bit about, you know, your role as, um, I believe it's executive director, but you're basically in charge of HEA. You got a whole bunch of staff. You um, have like the public that you kind of report to because it's kind of like a public utility. So tell me about, you know, what is the role of the executive director do and what, you know, gets you excited in the morning to get up and get after it? Well, uh, what gets me excited, this industry is so crazy. I've been in it for over 30 years. I've been at HEA for over 19 years now as general manager. Uh, and you're right, you kind of oversee everything. You get you get blamed for everything, but you also get credit for some things as well. Which um, I've got to admit, what makes my job the easiest is I'm blessed with a wonderful staff. And they're the ones that actually get things done. Uh, without them, I, I couldn't accomplish nor could the board half of what we do. So um, we're very lucky. Uh, one of the things I'm excited about is a cooperative model in this industry. I've, I've been in this industry over three decades and by now I really thought it'd be pretty boring, but <laughs> with between a combination of the technical innovations that we see coming up uh, and improvements that are just amazing and really having an impact on the industry. And unfortunately, new regulations that are coming along that add uh, cost challenges to the cooperative. Um, it, it's an exciting time. And so. That's awesome. Well, uh, Rob, um, welcome to the Must Read Alaska show. <clears throat> Help. I think you, you run Seward Electric. I may, I may have botched the name there, but basically no. the electric, the electric, the electricity company in Seward, you, <laughs> you are in charge of. Tell us about that. It's kind of a unique little Electric it, it really is, John. And that's one of the reasons that we're looking at, you know, potentially selling to Homer. Uh, I'm the general manager for Seward Electric System. Uh, I joined the utility about two and a half years ago. Um, and when I say we're small, we only have 10 employees and we have 2,900 meters. And so, you know, when you have 10 employees and most of those are focused on just keeping the lights on, it makes it hard to... Um, to do the basic functions on a day-to-day -day basis, um, certainly. And we're also another point, you know, we, as I said, we're a municipality. So unlike Homer and the other rail belt utilities, we're not a regulated utility. Um, so the, the same rules and, and guidelines, they do not apply to us. Um, so it does make for, you know, the day-to-day -day operations difficult. And as Brad mentioned, we've got a lot of regulations that are coming. Um, those are also going to get a cost, right? And for a utility our size where we only have 2,900 meters for spreading costs, driving revenues, it makes it difficult to operate. So I think Seward would be, um, you know, we're going to be much better off if we can align, if we can get the vote and we can uh, merge with Homer Electric. That's awesome. So Brad, um, HEA is hopeful to buy Seward Electric Company. 
tell us, tell me why you think this is a great move for HEA. Um, you know, I think that um, you could, you know, you could offer some things and some innovations that maybe it's hard to do with a 10 person staff. And, and so tell, tell us about some of the strategic moves and why this is important for HEA. Sure. And, and, and John, that's a common question amongst HEA members. Uh, what's in it for us? We're so much bigger. They're small. And, and, and as you're probably aware, the last time we went out for a baseload fuel contract, we had one qualified bidder. <laughs> and so, and with, for natural gas, we're greatly appreciative of that one bidder uh, and that one supplier. Um, however, um, when 90% of all, and, which equates to about one third of your residential electric bill is just to pay for fuel. Um, our board has been very proactive in looking at renewable opportunities. Um, and, and part of that is you, you can't visit with a financial advisor today who suggests you put 90% of your retirement savings into one stock. Um, you and I are both familiar with certain stocks that if you had invested in, in them, you could work till you're 150 years old and still be poor. Um, so we are looking at reducing our dependence on natural gas. And, and with both of us living in the Kenai Peninsula, we're well aware of the declining production of existing wells mm. in Cook Inlet. And, uh, and we know that there's many options on the table. So one of our goals is uh, primarily is adding, first off, creating a scenario where it's a win-win for both utilities. Um, Seward's a lot like what I think most of us prefer to when we came to Alaska or came to the Kenai Peninsula. As we get there, we can close the door behind us and there's no change. Um, that's not the case. Um, we've got, in fact, somebody asked me the other day, it's like, Brad, how do you manage tourism on the Kenai Peninsula? And I said, I think tourism's great. I said, it's because of tourism, we have all the box stores and opportunities that we have in the Kenai Salatna area that without tourism, we wouldn't have that. So um, we're not gonna fight change and change affects all of us. And we wish it wouldn't happen sometimes, but it, it's going to. And so um, I'm trying to, what I would like to see for the future, John, is a win-win scenario. And one of the approaches we've taken in Seward is, um, trying to under-promise and over-deliver. So I want the Seward customers to look back in two or three years and think the same or more of HEA than as they would today. So um, I think it's a win-win. Plus, as we diversify, um, we can put additional Seward load on our current generation, um, which keeps them very efficient while we add additional non-firm renewables to our system without impacting the efficiency of our existing generation resources. I love it. So Rob, um, my guess is that the city of Seward has seen um, kind of this presentation and whoever else bid on this. Did they vote on moving forward with this? How did that go? And talk to us about kind of the public process there. Sure. We, um, now, back in May of 22, our mayor introduced a resolution to look at the advantages and disadvantages of selling the utility. Uh, so we went through the assessment period, and then the council met on three different occasions to, uh, to look at moving forward with the sale. And then we had two utilities that, that were interested. 
And the council ended up meeting in an executive session with both of those utilities to hear from them directly. Uh, when it was all said and done, I can say that the uh, council was very comfortable with, with Homer. I mean, both utilities, good utilities, but they felt really comfortable being here on the Kenai Peninsula that Homer's a very good community fit for Seward. So that was big. Uh, the council also looked at the uh, leadership stability of Homer Electric. Uh, you know, you've got Brad. Brad's been in his role for nearly 20 years. Uh, that's a lot of stability. That's, um, you know, that was something that our council was attracted to. We also considered, you know, we looked at the financial health of Homer, um, and we felt that they're going in the right direction. Uh, they did a great job talking to us about their long-term strategic plan and their long-term plan for uh, managing rates. So the council had a chance to hear firsthand from Homer on those things, and including the investments they've made uh, in the battery storage and their generation, it's really set them up nicely for the future. Uh, so when we looked at all of those different things, the council ended up voting unanimously actually to, uh, to move forward with Homer as its preferred power provider. Nice. And the, um, the, it's on a ballot for folks that live in Seward and that is, I believe May 2nd, am I correct? That is correct. Okay. So Brad, tell, tell me about your process. You have a board, you know, you have yourself as an executive and you probably have other executives. Talk to me about the process that you guys went through to kind of um, want to take this under your wing. You bet, John. And, and, and I, I love working with my board because they are very diverse. They're professional. And I remind them regularly that one of their primary functions is to help management make better decisions on behalf of the entire membership. And I, I can say that I've been very fortunate to have boards throughout my 19 plus year tenure at HEA that have done exactly that. So we've done a lot of big projects uh, and it's been exciting. So when this potential opportunity came up, um, we discussed it. Uh, we wanted to make sure that um, it fell within our strategic plan um, and it did, because one of our strategic goals is to increase our load to, A, make our existing generation more efficient and keep it efficient, and B, really try to diversify um, getting 90% of our electricity from natural gas. And, and that means incorporating large-scale wind, solar. Uh, we're looking at some hydro opportunities. Um, and as to do that, uh, the easiest way to do that without impacting rates is to increase our load. And that's, it just worked out perfect. So it sounds like that there was a public process in Seward. There was a process also with HEA and the board. And um, this is something that's, that's been well thought out. That's not just some idea that you had yet, you know, last week that this is kind of a long time coming. So somebody's gonna show up to the ballot box May 2nd, still, even though you've had the public process and the meetings and all those things. And even though Seward is, you can't turn around without running into seven people you know, they're gonna look at the ballot and be like, this is the first time I've ever seen this. So what do you wish, I'll, I'll give both of you the opportunity, what do you wish somebody would know in those, in that, you know, three minute moment 
that they're going to look at this potentially for the first time. They might listen to this podcast now instead of showing up to the ballot box and not hearing about it. They may now hear about it. So this is your time to give that two minute elevator speech on why this is important. No, John, and that is a great question. Uh, you know, from Seward's perspective, it, this decision is is not just about today, right? This decision is about the future and laying a foundation for this community that's going to give them a more secure energy future. Uh, the way we're structured today, I'm not sure we, we can manage the challenges that we're going to face as we move toward these new regulations and these new requirements. Um, we also have you know, a community that wants more from its utilities, more programs and services, um, more in-house expertise so we can manage the day-to-day -day more effectively. So for me, you know, about giving the elevator speech, it's really about energy security for the future. Um, I think that's where we need to go. I've been in the industry for 25 years, having worked for uh, an investor-owned utility in South Carolina and as well as the Tennessee Valley Authority. And there's no question in my mind that this is the right direction for Seward. Nice. Yeah, John, and I would I would echo everything that Rob said, um, that in addition, um, having one utility serve the entire borough, um, Seward, Homer, Solana, Kina, there's some, some uh, synergies in that as well, particularly when we start dealing with state or federal uh, legislators uh, trying to get funding, particularly from at the federal level to help us on special projects that benefit our members. Um, and so we're pretty excited about working together with them on that. Uh, we've, there's a lots of opportunities with the recent IIJA and the IRA. Whether you support them or not, they're federal law now. And the last time I was out on the out in DC, e even long-term bureaucrats had said they had never seen this much money ever in DC. And when you ask them, well, do I qualify for this program? At that point, they weren't sure because the rules are still being written. Mm -hmm. So we're watching that. Um, and, and Rob's right. If um, as we diversify off of natural gas and look for other opportunities, um, one of the things that we need is to get larger. Uh, we have our members, like Robin mentioned, um, we do lots of programs and services for our membership. and Quite frankly, today's uh, consumers expect more and more from, and rightfully so, from whatever product or service they are buying. And I don't think we are any exception. Um, our response to outages right now is way different. I still remember the time, and it was long ago, when if you had an outage, you sent a postcard in the mail to <laughs> let your local cooperative know you had an outage. <laughs> Those days are long gone. We get calls in under a minute sometimes. Oh, and one of the neat things we did is we put that all online. So we have a website that runs real time that shows, in fact, we gave a demonstration of a presentation in sewer last night of our website. And someone goes, is that blinking dot? Is that like where the gas lines are? And I'm like, no, that's where we have an outage. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's pretty, that new fancy website that you guys have is pretty phenomenal. I, our power went out. I don't know, it goes out two or three times a year. And I went on it once and it was, you know, within 10 feet of the whole outage. I mean, it was right there telling exactly how many houses it affected. It drew kind of a little map around the area that it was affected. And it was pretty awesome. 
Yeah, it is, John. And all I'm going to say is this darn spruce bark beetle kill trees. <laughs> well, one thing I will say is that oftentimes I think not you two, but we as in the people that are listening to this kind of forget how power gets to our houses. We flick a switch and we just kind of expect it to come on, come on. And we all know living in Alaska is has its ups and downs and treachery, including big windstorms and snowstorms. And these guys and gals that work these electrical lines literally risk their lives and work in just crazy conditions to make sure that houses on the Kenai Peninsula have electricity. Um, and I think that they are some of the unsung heroes on the peninsula because everybody uses electricity and oftentimes we are not appreciative of how the heck it gets to our house. So I appreciate both of you for helping lead organizations that help make that happen. Thanks, John. I appreciate that. And uh, you're right. And one of our challenges moving forward is trying to find uh, the next generation of line workers mm -hmm. um, and not only line workers, engineers, mm -hmm. uh, accountants, um, any advanced education. Um, and, and it was kind of funny because somebody asked me yesterday uh, about um, what are we doing to, you know, as for a high school graduate that wants to work for an electric utility, you know, how do you go about in, in the lines trade? And I'm like, well, the line workers are great and they do a fantastic job, but that's a small percentage of what helps keep the lights on. Um, when we hire accountants, marketing people, engineers. So uh, the stereotype in high schools today is unless you want to be a line worker, you, you kind of rule out one of the best opportunities in your local communities yeah. uh, for long-term jobs. And yet uh, it's like, no, it's much bigger than just line workers. And it's, you know, it's probably so. one of the most stable jobs in the market, in any market, because Everybody needs electricity and it's in every house in America almost. So that's right, John. Well, I appreciate you both coming on. I uh, hope for this. I hope for success for you. I personally would rather have a local utility company owning Seward Electric than some other company that doesn't live on the Kenai Peninsula. So I wish you both success. I really appreciate you both coming on. May 2nd, folks, if you, if you live in Seward, are only Seward people going to be able to vote on that? Is my guess. Uh, yeah, John. Only only citizens that live within the city. Correct. Okay. And uh, for folks interested, I'll put a link in the description, um, both in H for HEA and uh, the city of Seward, so folks can go uh, check out those links. And you know, if you live in Seward, figure out, figure it out where to vote, how to vote, all that kind of stuff. And uh, fellas, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you. Always welcome back anytime. Uh, until next time, I'm John Quick from somewhere in Alaska. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate it. Uh, Thanks, thank John. John. Yeah. I'm gonna go. Great edit seeing you again. Thing. Good seeing you. I'm gonna go edit the thing and I'll send it to Sarah. Sounds yeah. good. Thanks, sir. I'd like to thank our show sponsor, the University of Alaska. You can check them out at empower.alaska.edu. I'll put a link in the description as well for you to go check them out. But I really, really want to thank the University of Alaska for sponsoring the Must Read Alaska show.